Hello, 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 and welcome to What They Don't Tell You at the Hair Salon. It's me, your favorite homegirl and indie author, hair care lover extraordinaire, LaDosha Wright, coming to you live and direct from my quarantine life as I help flatten the curve here in Cleveland, Ohio. Today, the podcast is going to be about self-made controversy. Now, in case you're living under a rock, there is not much we can do except sit on social media, read, and be on the internet, watch TV, so on and so forth. So the topic of self-made controversy is inspired by the Netflix miniseries. It's four-part episodes called Self-Made, Inspired by the Life of Madam C.J. Walker. Now, this miniseries is causing a lot of controversy because it's split down the middle. So you have 50% of the people who felt like it was very good, and then you have another 50% who feel like, oh, hell to the no. So the 50% may or may not be aware that this is fiction. So I have to make this abundantly clear that the Netflix self-made miniseries is not an actual documentary. The, her great-great-granddaughter, Mrs. Alea Bundo, she wrote the book On Her Own Ground, which she gives a very detail-oriented, rich, beautiful, honest, and forthright interpretation of her research and what she you know, knew about her great-great-grandmother. So to me, if you want to hear the facts, then you got to do it like KRS once said. You know, you want to hear a fresh rhyme, you've got to go to the source. So what I did was I went to the source of the people who wrote the Netflix miniseries, Self Made, and I did this via the Indiana Monthly. So this Indiana Monthly article was uh, emailed to me by... Mrs. Susan Hall Dotson, and she is a historian at the Indiana Historical Society, which actually holds a lot of the papers and historical documents of Madam C.J. Walker. So she emailed me this article, and you can follow her on Facebook or LinkedIn. Those are publicly uh, assets accessible so you don't it's not a private account so you can go and follow her and she is putting up a lot of information where you can also follow Alea Bundles as she is giving her um, her rebuttal if you will to some comments that's being made about the document I mean about the film and also just the facts and of course in case you are not aware you can also buy her book now, the new book does have the cover of the Netflix miniseries with Octavia Spencer on it. So I think that that was a very good opportunity to invite the public back into the real story of Madam C.J. Walker. So in a sense, you have to commend these, uh, the powerhouses, what I'm going to call them, the, the, the house of powerhouse of talent, because if they have irritated your very last soul with this miniseries, then you can now go and buy the book 
that has a new cover. The original cover is still for sale, but the new cover has Octavia Spencer on it. And so, therefore, you can get the facts. So let me just give you guys a way to get back into it and not just get on YouTube. But come on, guys, let's buy the book and let's get the facts. So who are the powerhouse of talent and money that I'm talking about? I am talking about uh, the lovely Octavia Spencer, but she did a good job acting. So did Blair Underwood when he took his shirt off. I know that's tacky, but, you know, I'm a girl. Get over it, okay? Then you have uh, Mr. LeBron James, Akron's own, uh, bootleg Cleveland's own. That's what I said, bootleg Cleveland, because Cleveland, we swear LeBron James is ours, but he is not. He does belong to Akron. So you have LeBron James and his protege, Maverick Carter, and they, LeBron has an uh, entertainment company called Spring Hill Entertainment. So Maverick Carter has done some documentaries. He also did the actual, um, what is this called? I see I don't watch TV, but I think it's like a reality show called Cleveland Hustle. And so he's also behind that and some other things around LeBron James. So that they are part of Spring Hill Entertainment. And then you also have Janine Sherman Berrios, who also did some writing for Claws. And you guys might see Niecy Nash on that. I've never seen it, but I'm a hairstylist. And I hear people talk about it all the time. And she also had a lot to do with ER. And then you have uh, Miss Casey Lemons. She's also a filmmaker from School Days, East Bayou, and Harriet. And then also, also over here on my note, there was a young lady named Elle Johnson. So now when you read the actual article in the Indiana Monthly, you're going to get a, a drop back of how these writers came up with this storyline and why. So to make a long podcast short, what they were saying is that they decided to take this twist to pretty much address and speak to the modern viewers to resonate with today's contemporary artists. Now I know what you're saying. Oh, bull, fragger, pagger, knackle. And I said the same thing too. But again, we have to be of the understanding that this is not a documentary and they actually want people to go and get the facts. So the book is on sale so you can get the facts. Now, if you have children or if you are not aware that this is not the real thing, then this is what this podcast is for because we need to tell you that it is not the real thing. And again, you can follow Susan Hall Dotson over on Facebook or LinkedIn. She is over at the Indiana Historical Society where Madam C.J. Walker's uh, um, uh, papers and all that stuff is that so you can get a good feel for what really took place in her life. And of course, that stuff is free. So you can go on to her her, her uh Facebook platform and see what she's posting about Madam C.J. Walker's great-great-granddaughter as well. So now I'm going to go into the episodes, which were in four parts. And so the first episode was called The Fight. And here they begin to unfold the story of Madam C.J. Walker with this fictitious character named Addie Monroe. So Addie Monroe is their version of Annie Turbo Malone, who Madam C.J. Walker worked for, and Annie Turbo Malone also had a college 
called the Poro College. So that backdrop that you're getting on colorism, the whole hair, not pretty enough, in all actuality, that is not true. So if I had the biggest complaint about this miniseries would be that part. I don't think that that was a really good thing to do to Annie Turbo Malone's legacy. For number one, there, for people who don't know who she is, it's going to get lost. So a lot of people are going to see this miniseries and will probably not go and look up the truth, but let's just pray that most people will. So again, when you buy on her own ground, you'll get some of that backdrop. And you can also go to your library's website. You can go on to Google or the internet and YouTube and get a lot of information about Annie Turbo Malone because she too was magnificent. However, this is about Madam C.J. Walker, so we have to make that abundantly clear. Now, let's move on to the second episode, Bootstraps. So Bootstraps begins about the whole, that to me, I shouldn't say begin, but it brought up that power struggle that women were having, Miss Madam C.J. Walker, you know, with her husband, the fictitious character, Cleophas. Now, I like the Cleophas character. Now, in real life, he's not, you know, that he's not a part of Madam C.J. Walker's biography or history but it was I thought that was pretty cool because he was like a little modern day Jiminy Cricket let your conscience be your guide so he was letting CJ know like what you're doing is incorrect uh, as far as infidelities also when Madam CJ Walker was accosted by the funeral person you know he told her listen we have to keep this between us because you know if you tell CJ, things are going to go awry. So we don't know if that, you know, that didn't happen, you know what I'm saying. But from a storyline, remember, guys, this is inspired. I thought that was very, very creative. So in the second episode of uh, Bootstraps, there you have, to me, you have a lot of power struggle between she and her husband. I didn't kind of like the whole thing of, the black women was just really feisty towards men. Now, that's not to say that historically or realistically it's not true. But, you know, again, it's Hollywood, so you got to have fun. And so I also, you know, the homosexuality of the Leia Bundos and the ladies, now, I think they could have left that out. I talked to my son about it, and he said, Mom, that's the way these women are today. One week they're straight, the next minute they're gay. So again, to their point of addressing today's what contemporary audience, they needed to resonate. So homosexuality apparently is what a lot of women are going through nowadays. I wouldn't know because I'm not a homosexual, but itty hoot. Next up, the third episode, you have the Walker girl, the rise to power. So here she's ready to get that ball rolling and open up her factory. You know, she has a lot of parts where she's trying to get Booker T, you know, all involved. It's not quite going down the way you she wanted it, but she just kept on pressing through. She, that was Madam C.J. Walker. Against all adversity, this woman never, ever, ever, ever did she back down. And then there was the issue of infidelity. In on the book, On Her Own Ground, I don't recall reading much about C.J. Walker. 
So I'm not quite sure the level of infidelity, but apparently something happened. So she, you know, put him on like she said, don't go back to what broke you. I don't like that one. That was kind of, I'm like, oh, oh, whoop, whoop. That was a good temporary word. So again, that's that creative liberties that I thought that was pretty good. I don't know if Madam C.J. Walker talked like that, but she probably did. I don't know. Sweetness, that character, Sweetness, hmm, I don't recall that character in the book. I don't recall even getting the feel that Madam C.J. Walker was that kind of a person. I mean, we know numbers people was happening back then, so I'm sure she was aware of the policy man and all that. But I really don't think, you know, the, the attorney, I don't know, I don't think, the, I don't recall capturing that any of that flair was in their decorum because these these people and well this again is my interpretation of reading the book on her own ground my interpretation is that these people were very dignified they had decorum and they truly 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 wanted to pull black people our race up to another a level of performance as far as economics, intelligence, you know, things of that nature. They were really not big on ragtime music and all that because back in the day, during that time, people were kind of split on ragtime music. So I don't think Madam C.J. Walker would have been busting the move, but I don't know. I don't know. What I do know for certain and for sure is that Madam C.J. Walker was truly against uh, anti-lynching, as all black people were for the most part. Uh, the racial injustices, she wasn't having it, just from her support of the YMCA, the NAACP. So she really, 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 really was not about any of that craziness. This woman was on a mission beyond making money. She was on a mission of women's empowerment, of freedom, of being able to do what you want to do. And truly, as the book says, on her own ground. So to me, when you read the book, you're definitely going to get that this woman was marching to, marching to the beat of her own drum. She did what she had to do, and she literally took nothing, and she made it out of something, and she did it with a lot of style. She did it with a lot of class, and she was not taking any. She wasn't having any of that lowering down, demeaning women nor black people. Next up, you have the uh, fourth and the last episode which was, oh, I think I skipped one, okay? Um, no, I said the Walker Girl, all right? So the Walker Girl is the third episode. I'm getting a little bit hyped over here. The first episode was The Fight. The second episode was Bootstraps. And the third episode was The Walker Girl, which is where I was at, The Rise to Power, and then the issue of infidelity. Also, I believe during that episode, they kind of show where she had issues with like overeating and you can kind of see them leading up to her illness. The son-in-law made comments to her eating pig feet and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, again, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, sweetness, again, the character uh, by Bill Bellamy. Now, he laid that out. See, this is the part where I thought that that character part was good, even though Madam C.J. Walker more than likely never dealt with people like that, let alone the attorney. The attorney, you got to check out his um, his history as well. So, But the character part, again, that's that whole liberties to be creative where they came in, they used it. 
And I think that Bill Bellamy, he played this character very, very well. I think all of the acting was good, even though it was way, way off from the book. The acting was good. In my opinion, the self-made was about 90 to 95% inaccurate. And so I'm going to leave it right there. The last episode was a credit to the race. That that was the part, uh, the part that sticks out to me the most was where uh, the beauty culturist, and I love the fact that they did keep that. So there's that 5% that was true. They were called beauty culturists. They were not called hairdressers, cosmetologists, hairstylists, natural hairstylists. You know what I'm talking about. They were called beauty culturists. So this part of the fourth episode, which again is called A Credit to the Race, where to me the part where they showed the women went to her house and was threatening to strike. Now that part wasn't true, but on the creative liberties part to, you know, again to address or to be with the modern, you know, viewers, that was kind of creative because it did show how she agreed to pull back and be for her culturist, which is what Madam C.J. Walker was about. Now, why they just couldn't tell the story like it was, I don't work in Hollywood. I would never probably work or write in Hollywood. And if I had the opportunity to write, I, I swear to God, goodness, you guys, I would never choose to do that. However, you know, that's what they had to do. And then um, I think the other thing that kind of stuck out to me was now, I wasn't living back then, obviously, and I'm not a historian, but I doubt that the way they kind of portrayed how black people were just freely going to and fro, and, you know, with white people in the backdrop, I don't, I, I just, I don't think that that was really our case, but that would have probably taken the movie into another place. And that's not where they wanted to go. So I was kind of thrown off like, boy, we sure we surely look um, lily white. Like we just really got along with white people back then. And um, I just, uh, you know, so anywho, so that is my take on the four episodes of Self-Made. And this is why I titled this episode of my podcast, Self-Made Controversy, because there's a lot of controversy in that series, but the book has enough juice, enough natural controversy in it to really inspire and enlighten. And I can speak personally of how Madam C.J. Walker and Annie Turnbull Malone have inspired my life. And for example, my entire career as a cosmetologist, I wish I could be called a beauty culturist. I wish they would bring that back, but I use, I specialize trichology in my career because it carries the legacy of Madam C.J. Walker, who saw the need of hair and scalp care over a hairstyle, as well as the foundation of a good hairstyle. So trichology the science of scalp and hair, I use that as the foundation of my career and business in honor of Madam C.J. Walker and Annie Turbo Malone. I have to say for that part, 
that was eagerly inspired by those two women. And then number two, um, I can definitely say that the, the legacy of education, Madam C.J. Walker, if you read her book, the great, great granddaughter's book on her own ground, you are going to get the biggest, richest, most vast, I'm talking about enormous, huge, all these adjectives to describe massive feel that this woman was for education. And she taught those women, she trained them, she wrote the material, she did every single thing. And you know who else does that? I do. I do that in my career as a cosmetologist. I do that in my career as a salon owner and an educator. Third, I had the opportunity last year in October to travel to the Gambia, which is the home of Kunta Kinte, to install their country's very first cosmetology curriculum. I wrote it in the spirit of Madam C.J. Walker because in her legacy, that is what she was about. The reason why her great-great-granddaughter could tell that story is because a lot of those culturist family members, some are actually still alive today, believe it or not, and their children were able to share some things with Mrs. Bundles, and Mrs. Bundles was able to have, find and locate a lot of her great-great-grandmother's information, and so she was able to write this book and do what she needed to do. So that legacy lives in me. I believe the simple fact that you're even, even listening to this podcast is what the, what the uh, writer, Ms. L. Johnson, or no, I'm sorry, Nicole Jefferson Asher, now I'm quoting her and from the IndianaMonthly.com. So when she said that their story was a way to speak to the modern views to resonate with today's contemporary audiences, I would say that as a contemporary audience of that, you know, watching that episode, my life, to write that curriculum in a contemporary sense was inspired. And I made it a point to go on to her great-great-granddaughter's Facebook page and to say that. And you know what? She actually responded. And I, I was literally moved to tears because I'm feeling that her legacy for us as cosmetologists even though we are not beauty culturists, that we should continue. We don't have lynching in that sense, but lynching still exists today. And I'm very anti-lynching. I'm pro-Black Lives Matter, racial injustices. I am still doing my part in my career by saying that hair care is not about race. Back then, it was a black thing because black people were not allowed uh, to clean their hair coming out of slavery uh, and, and during slavery, of course. And then uh, secondly, slaves were, you know, enslaved Africans were not allowed to have hair care products and styling tools. And then you also have to keep in mind that plumbing, modern day plumbing was not available. Did you see how they had the women laying their heads over on that wooden bowl and that little station, and he was pouring the water onto their head. 
They didn't have running water like we have today. So you have those three realities that influenced and impacted and affected hair care or lack of for black women. So today, what do we see? The number one problem to most of all the hair care problems that black women and women with textured hair are experiencing today is because they are not washing their hair. So with that, I conclude this episode of Self-Made Controversy because as you can see, the controversy of black hair, of textured hair, of natural hair, even to the point of the Crown Act being enacted and enforced in June of 2019, 400 years after slavery. Madam C.J. Walker's legacy prevails. It lives, it lives in me, it lives in you, it lives in those women who decided to tell their story, their way, through their Netflix series called Self-Made, inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker. If you really don't like that, you do have the opportunity to buy the great-great-granddaughter's book on her own ground that has the current picture of Madam, I'm sorry, of Octavia Spencer from the self-made um, logo and design. So there you have it. What they don't tell you at the hair salon, I will. Thank you so much. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I hope you will buy her book. And again, as always, peace, love, and hair. And if you just ain't got no hair, then rub your beautiful, beautiful bald head. Let's stay in. Let's flatten the curve and do what we need to do. Thank you very much.